Thanks for checking out this week's sermon from Bonavista Baptist Church. We invite, encourage, and equip you to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Well, the parable of the Good Samaritan is one of the best known stories that Jesus has ever told. Even if you haven't been around the church for a while, you've probably heard of the story or know something about it. This story has been used to inspire hospital movements, has been used to inspire world relief organizations. It's even inspired laws within our country and around the world. We have something called the Good Samaritan Act, and it seeks to protect ordinary citizens who try and help out in emergency situations. Well, the story is so popular that we might forget that it's only found in Luke's gospel. And the story is so popular that we might actually overlook the underlying challenge that it presents to our very hearts. Well, the story is very typical of Luke. Luke likes to take the outsider and make the outsider the very hero of the story. And the story is very typical for Jesus too, because Jesus uses parables not simply as good illustrations, but he uses them to get past our defenses and get to the very heart of the matter. Well, the setting for the story is a conversation between Jesus and an expert in the law, and it's a public conversation. And it's very obvious right from the beginning that the expert in the law wants to test Jesus and show off a little and maybe even embarrass Jesus in the process. And so he asks Jesus a theological question. Jesus right away shuts him down. And so now the expert in the law is a little bit embarrassed. And so the Bible says in order to justify himself, in order to show that his question is legit, he actually asks Jesus another question. He says, so who is my neighbor? So in response to that, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Now remember, the parable is not just a Bible illustration. It's a kind of verbal weapon. This is Jesus now going on the offensive. He's not just sitting back and taking criticism or taking those who are trying to embarrass him. But now he's going on the offensive with this story. And his goal here is really to expose the hypocrisy and the prejudice that he sees in the religious leaders around him. Well, the story is about a man on a journey, a man on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the journey idea is actually an important motif in Luke's gospel. Uh, we're right in the journey section of Luke's gospel. It starts in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, and it goes all the way through to Luke 19 and verse 27. And this is when Jesus steadfastly journeys toward Jerusalem. Now, he takes a bit of a circular route around, but that's the point. That's the journey narrative. And in the middle of this journey narrative, we find Jesus telling a story about a man on a journey. Well, the man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. When I first moved to Calgary, the very first sermon I think I preached was not at Bonavista Baptist. It was another church. And in the sermon, I must have said something about going up to Edmonton at the end of the week. Well, it's interesting what people fixate on during the sermons. And this one lovely gentleman couldn't wait till my sermon was over so he could come up and tell me that if you're leaving Calgary, you don't go up to Edmonton. In fact, you go down to Edmonton. 
And I think he was intending to tell me that there's an elevation change. But more than that, I think he was inferring that going to Edmonton was somehow going down in social status. So welcome to Calgary, Scott. Well, in the story that Jesus tells, the journey goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it's much more than just an elevation change. Jerusalem is about 2,400 feet above sea level. And Jericho is about 850 feet below sea level. But it's not just the elevation change that happens here. The setting of the story is that this man is going down, getting himself into trouble. It's a physical descent, but it's also a spiritual descent. And that becomes very obvious in the story. Uh, in fact, people very seldom attempted to walk this road on their own. They usually would travel in groups for protection because it was a very, very dangerous journey. And so when Jesus tells a story about this man, I'm sure some people would be tempted to say, well, he brought this on himself. He should have known better. You don't travel that road on your own. This victim got himself into his own trouble. Let him lie there. Leave him alone. He brought this on himself. William Barclay, he says this, this man had no one but himself to blame for the plight in which he found himself. But also, we learn that we must help a man even when he brings trouble upon himself. Jesus does at least three really important things in this parable. The first thing that he does is he removes any identifying markers from the victim in the story. I mean, this man is beaten all his clothes are taken off. He's left for dead. He can't speak. Do we know his social status? No, nope, we have no idea. Do we know his ethnic origin? We have no way of telling. Uh, do we know his religious affiliation? We can't see. We can't tell. There's no markers in the story. Basically, Jesus is presenting a human being in need. That's the point. Well, the second thing that Jesus does is he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. We've mentioned this before, but it's worth reflecting again. Just right at the point of the story where the listeners are expected to be introduced to the villain, suddenly Jesus throws a twist. He introduces the hero, and the hero is a Samaritan. I think we like to see our heroes as very much like us. We like to see our heroes in our own skin color, in our own environment, we want them to be the very best of who we are. And so throwing the Samaritan in as the hero of the story would have been incredibly upsetting to the expert in the law and the other people who were listening. Samaritans at the very best were considered kind of half-breeds by some of the religious officials in Jerusalem. And sometimes they were even considered the deep enemies of the true people of God. Even the disciples in the chapter right before this one were ready to call down fire from heaven to destroy a Samaritan village. So it's not just the expert in the law that needs to hear this story. It's actually the closest followers of Jesus that need to hear this story as well. Well, the third thing I think Jesus does, and this is something we might overlook, is that he reaches back into Hebrew history to tell this story. This story isn't just some random abstract. It's not just something Jesus makes up on the spot. 
It actually is rooted and grounded in a story in the Old Testament. If you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 28, and I encourage you to do that after the service today, you'll see an amazing story of a time when Samaritans were instructed by God to help out Judeans who were, in fact, prisoners. The story that Jesus tells here in the Good Samaritan, it evokes that story. It draws on it. It tells how the prophet Obed convinced the Samaritans to help their Judean captives. Listen to how that is described in 2 Chronicles chapter 28. It says, They provided them with clothes and sandals, food and drink, and healing balm. All those who were weak, they put on donkeys. So they took them back to the fellow Israelites at Jericho, the city of Palms, and returned to Samaria. Nothing stops a law expert in his tracks, like citing clear precedence from his own legal documents. And that's what Jesus does here. Jesus backs the law expert into a corner, and ultimately, the law expert can only give one answer. He says, the Samaritan is the hero of the story. He's the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, why don't you go and do the same? So what's the point of the story for us today? Well, I actually think the application is pretty straightforward. What's more difficult is living out the implications of this story in our everyday lives. Martin Luther King Jr., just before he was assassinated, he said, however difficult it is to hear, however shocking it is to hear, we've got to face the fact that America is a racist country. Well, it's not just America. It's not as if racism is held south of the border. It's here in Canada, too. But it's not just in Canada at large. It's right here in my own heart. Prejudice is among us and within us. And we have to acknowledge it and confront it. And this story helps us to ask the question, how do we treat our neighbor? See, our own preconceived notions of who people are and what value they have, it often does great harm to our whole society. It often does harm even to the church. And so we have to be aware of it. We have to face it, whether it's racism or sexism or homophobia or whatever else it is. We have to acknowledge the fact that we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. See, the Bible makes several things abundantly clear. It makes it very clear that all humanity, all humanity, is made in the image of God. It also makes it very clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, not just a specific group of people that we like to point the finger at. It also makes it very clear that God so loved the whole world that he gave his son. And the Bible also makes it abundantly clear that God desires that all humanity be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So if God deals with us that way, then we should treat our neighbors in the same way as he treats us. Well, there's a great twist at the end of the story. The original question that the lawyer comes up with is, who is my neighbor? In other words, who should I treat with love? But Jesus turns it right around. He says, that's the wrong question to ask. 
rather than wondering who should I treat with love or who is my true neighbor, why don't you simply be the good neighbor to someone else? Become the very neighbor that God is calling us to be. Don't worry about who your neighbor is. Just be a good neighbor to others. That's the bottom line. Well, I hope this story continues to inspire people to do great things or even to do simple things in caring for others around them. But I also hope that we get to the deeper meaning of this story, that we allow it to examine our very hearts in how we treat and perceive the people around us. God is calling us to love the world just as he has loved us. This is how we become the good neighbor.